And then from there, you started at J.P. Morgan living with family, right? Yeah, living with family. But so the crazy catch is, I mean, I was living with family. I was paying, I would say, $300 a month to help out with, like, utilities and stuff. But they didn't have, like, an actual extra room for me. So I was actually living in the attic. What? Um, yes, I was living in the attic. <laughs> what? Um, for, about, for about two years, um, just so I could save some money, you know, buy some more property. What's up, everybody? I am your host, Rashad Mays, and I'm here to bring you Love Yours, the podcast, the show that loves the hustle and embraces the struggle. On this show, we interview entrepreneurs and brand makers who have achieved levels of success within their fields and bring to light some of the struggles and pitfalls it took for them to get there. After this episode, be sure to leave comments on your thoughts, opinions, or whatever you think of the show. Don't forget to show love and check out our website at www.loveyourspod.com where you can find all of our podcast interviews and Love Yours Apparel. While you're there, make sure to subscribe to the show and get a chance to cop some of our gear at discounted rates. With that being said, stay tuned. We have an exciting show ahead right here on Love Yours the Podcast. podcast here your host Rashad Mays and I have a special guest with me today dear friend of mine he's back from Florida A&M I have Richard Anthony how you doing brother doing all right man how you doing yourself good man just trying to make moves as usual uh definitely wanted to reach out to you heard your story multiple times through a bunch of different people and I figured I'd reach out to you and you know, have you share your story with our listeners and so they can kind of get a glimpse of who you are. Cool, cool. Yeah, man. So for everybody that doesn't know Richard, he is a serial entrepreneur. That's what I'm going to call it. I'm not going to put a name on it, uh, any other specific name on it, but I'm going to call you a serial entrepreneur. Uh, He's uh, started multiple businesses and he's currently right now doing his thing in real estate. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, Real estate is, you know, some other things. What other things you got going on, bro? Because I know you you got a lot of things. When you sent me your prereqs, you uh you had a long list of things going on. So let everybody know exactly what you're doing right now. Uh, I'll say right now I got a uh, scholarship fund that I started for high school students uh, graduating, going off to college from my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I got going on is uh I guess the crown that you may have seen me post about on Facebook, maybe every now and again on Instagram. Uh, as seen on the McClure Twins and many other uh, child influencers on social media. Uh, and those have been doing for about, say, a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of got the idea uh, just after seeing uh, my little sisters post something on Instagram. They didn't really seem too too, uh, too proud of themselves and the way they look. So I you know, wanted to create something that kind of gave them that, that special oomph and, you know, to see their work in themselves. Yeah, it is. Uh, so with your sisters, um, you're real, you're real close with your sisters, man. I see you post a lot about your family. Yeah, yeah, me and my sisters are really close. I uh, try to take them on an international trip every year. Uh, the first time we went out, went to uh, Brazil, uh, Peru. Uh, had a great time. So definitely looking forward to the next trip that I can take them on. Wow, good, good stuff. And you funded all these trips, like you, I, you actually took your mom out too, right? Southeast Asia, so I took her to Thailand, spent about 15 days over there. Wow. Uh, 
Hey, yeah, I was just in Thailand, what, two, about a, about a year and a half ago, man. Where'd you guys go out there? Uh, we started out in Bangkok and made our way to Pattaya, which is an interesting story in Pattaya. Then we also had, uh, the two Phuket, you know, Seco PPI and all that. And outside of the company you have currently, the Crown Company, um, you also delve in real estate. Tell, let everybody know how much you delve in real estate right now. Uh, right now, I would say, you know, pretty heavily, I would say, uh, you know, make more from real estate than I do my day job mm-hmm. uh, that I actually just picked up a couple months ago. Uh, started investing in real estate as soon as, you know, like we graduated in 2013. Um, bought my personal property. I was living in New York. Bought the property was down in my hometown of Palm Beach. Actually got a pretty good deal on it, and as soon as I bought it, it was already fixed up. So I just put a renter inside and was making extra money every month. And I was just like, yo, I got to keep this going. Um, but I was luckily enough to start in finance uh, at J.P. Morgan in New York City, and you know, to give you a starting bonus, I pretty much just took that entire starting bonus to use as my down payment on the first property. Yeah, and uh, just went from there, man. Good, good, good. And this, this. This story, and for people that, you know, kind of know where my lane is at, this story was particularly interesting to me um, because I also delve in real estate, and Richard's, a, he's hes definitely further than me uh, <laughs> down the rope, but uh, <laughs> I had to, uh, like, it was particularly interesting to me because he's, you know, somewhat the same age I am. I think you're a year younger than me. I, I just turned 27, and it looks like you're 26. Um, but you know, for everything you've accomplished so far, you know, I'm like, whoa, uh, the guy's killing it. So I, I definitely wanted to bring you on and, and try to see, you know, what kind of happened and, and how things transpired, uh, transpired with you in the real estate game, because I know a lot of millennials, especially myself, we, uh, we kind of know what to do when it comes to investing. Um, but I think we kind of, you know, are hesitant a little as far as taking action, and, you know, for you and what you have going on, um, you was able to start pretty early and you took action really early and especially in real estate. I think everybody wants to has dreams of owning a house or, you know, getting into real estate at some age. But it's such a daunting task, especially if you had, had if you don't have a mentor or somebody that's kind of like help guiding you along. The idea of buying a house is is really daunting. So, you know, we, we figure, OK, well, we wait till like 30 or you know, 40 or when we get, you know, kids or a family, but you know, the best time to start is now while you don't have any overhead or, you know, much overhead or, you know, a spouse or kids or anything like that. You know, the earlier you can get into real estate, the better. And for you, you was able to start really, really young, right? Definitely. Yeah, it definitely started really young. Um, And I think one of the things that I didn't focus on was buying something for myself to live in. Mm-hmm. I'm rather focused on buying something for investment purposes, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, ended up putting money in my pocket because, you know, buying something for yourself to live in, you got a mortgage payment that you're paying out of your pocket rather than buying an investment property and that mortgage payment is being paid by someone else and possibly even getting uh, some cash flow to where you're getting money to put in your pocket even after the mortgage is paid. So I definitely focused on buying plenty of uh, investment properties first before I ended up buying something for myself. Good, good, good. And that's that's the vision that like like we want to have. And, you know, we, we talk about multiple streams of income and this is this is the way, you know, and it's not for everybody, you know, because it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work to, you know, buy houses and whether you're renting them or flipping them or wholesaling them, it is a lot of work. But the rewards are, are great. And if you're looking for another stream of income, 
this is the you know the the business that you you know you essentially could potentially be in without having a boss or anything like that you can go and do this on your own like you know <laughs> you don't need it <laughs> you don't need too much no. uh, <laughs> oversight to kind of make this happen so it's a good way to give yourself a raise you know oh yeah man oh tr- tr- bro trust me <laughs> i just got done with my um my first property uh back in when I, I bought last year, March, and I got done renovating back in August, and I just got my second tenant back in October. So I'm just now starting to see the benefits of all that. Like it took almost a year worth of work, but I'm just starting to see the benefits of it. And uh, you know, it's definitely hard work, but once you once you put in that work and you kind of see the returns, it's well worth it. Well worth it. For sure. So for everybody, uh, well, not for everybody. So for Richard. But let's take it back for everybody. Let us know when you actually started your journey. It looks like it was at, what, 17, right? Yeah, I mean, 17 was when I got my first little taste of business. You know, I was in high school, ended up buying snacks and stuff from Costco because my father had a Costco card. So I bought a couple of snacks, ended up selling them at school, and realized I was making, you know, a decent amount of little money, you know, at least, you know, for a high school standard. Yeah. And uh, ended up just, like, going and taking, like, an unused uh cafeteria table setting up shop in the back of the school mm. had you know the hot sausages pickled eggs snickers all you know all the candy and juices and gatorades and stuff just set up during the lunchtime frame so i guess it was about an hour hour 15 hour long lunch was high school and uh, i was just making bank and i was like yo this is dope like <laughs> my business owner me and my homeboy we was doing set up shop um to the point where we even started having like runners who would you know fill up their bags Bro. Whoa. So like and it, this this is great. So I used to be the snack man in my school too. <laughs> I was literally selling out of a duff. I had a I had a whole duffel bag. I was selling out of a duffel bag, and same thing. Instead of Costco, uh, my pops had a Sam's Club card, and I'd go get the assorted candies, um, the the chocolate assorted candies, and then the Skittles assorted candies, and it was like sixteen dollars. So I think uh, my um, I think my overhead was like forty something dollars or something like that, and I sell at a dollar a piece, and I think it was about sixty or seventy pieces of candy. Uh, or 80 yeah. or something, it was something like that. And so, like, that started booming. And then, next thing you know, I was like, well, let me get freaky with it. And I started adding Pop Tarts in there, honey buns, and all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Honey buns are hot seller, man. Honey hot seller. Sell, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, man. That's the same grind. You had, you had to start early. So, I definitely feel you on the um, on the Candyman grind. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the beginning of it. Uh, I would say that was my, like, junior year of high school. Uh, then, like, right before I went off to uh, college, right when I graduated, my father gave me a little bit of money to play in, uh, and, you know, open up, like, a stock trading account for me. Um, and it was like, you know, taste, you know, see, do some research, try it out, see what you can do. But he was ended up being, like, one of those overbearing fathers and started doing, like, trades for me and ended up losing all the money in the account right before I even went off to school. <laughs> so I was just like, you know what, forget stocks. I ain't even playing it. I think I had, like, maybe... Maybe like, you know, hundred fifty, two hundred dollars stuff. I think he gave me like like eight hundred or a thousand dollars to put in there. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, was a lot of money to just give like a somebody who just got out of high school. Yeah. Uh, that's a blessing. So 
he did that and whatever. But I think like right before I went to start a fame, it was like two hundred dollars of stocks left in the account. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of just let it sit there, and it's probably still sitting there to this day. I, I probably got to check it; might be worth something. Hey, you um, have a, a, a low key mill in there while you playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, low key might be something in there, but I don't. I honestly haven't checked it in, I guess, years to even know, you know, how it's performing because I just kind of turned a blind eye to stocks uh, and just focused on real estate. Now, was this something that you when you when you went to school? Of course, you was SBI, um, but when you say you focused on real, you wanted to start focusing on real estate. Is that something you went into school knowing in the back of your mind? Like, even though I'm SBI, I'm trying to get in this real estate game. Or did this, was this, like, did that come later? Yeah, no, I mean, so I always knew I was going to get into real estate as far as investing-wise, not as, like, being an agent or anything. Mm-hmm. Just because my father, he's an agent now, and he has a couple of, like, rentals that he has that he's making money from. So I was like, all right, cool. I want a way to be lazy and kind of still make some money uh, while I'm sleeping. That's the kind of thing that my father always said is you need to be able to make money while you sleep. Exactly. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, let college be my irresponsible year. So I kind of just blew all the money that I made from scholarships <laughs> or from internships and stuff like that. And just blew all of that. I was like, I'll be responsible once I graduate. Once I graduate, I'm turning the switch on. I'm going to be responsible. Uh, I'm pretty sure that makes a lot of people feel good because I, hey, we was all kind of irresponsible in school, bro. <laughs> Yeah, you know how you just go popping bottles in the club every yeah. weekend. You know, just like, all right, we don't do that. Yeah, man, I, I, I completely understand. So in school, yeah. you, you knew you wanted to be in real estate, but, you know, you said, mm, I'm going to do this SBI thing, but I'm also going to enjoy college for what it is. And then after, yeah. after I'm going to get into it. Right, right. So then that's when I, you know, once I started at uh, J.P., they gave me the starting bonus. I took, you know, most of all of that and just threw it into my first property. And nice. I actually had to, you know, there was some sacrifice in it as well. Like, I had to stay with family for the first two and a half years. Is this after you uh, graduated or is this an internship? No, after after I graduated, like, starting full-time mm-hmm. uh, employment. So your first um, job was J.P. Morgan. So you went from FAM, moved up to New York, and then from there you started at J.P. Morgan living with family, right? Suburban New York? Is this in the city New York? Where do they live? So the attic was hot as hell. I'll let you know that right now. Even in the winter 
summertime, the attic was, it was hot as hell. And in the summertime, you just use death, like, wow. wake up sweating. Um, I stayed on the wall, it was like a twin size bed up in the attic. I had to, you know, in this attic, so you can't really stand up all the way. So I, I never really spent too much time there unless I was like sleeping to get dressed. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd be like downstairs in the living room or something with the family and stuff. Um, wow. Yeah, so I mean, that, so the attic, you know, can't really stand up and see whatever. I had my clothes up there and stuff. Attic had a funny smell to it, so, <laughs> it, you know, it was just, it was, it was whatever. I finally got over it. Um, yeah, I did that for two years. It was, it was, you know, it was kind of worth it because just from saving that money and not having to pay like New York City rent, um, and having a decent job, I was able to, you know, acquire more property. So after I bought the first property, I think in, I want to say like May or February of that year, yeah. I think I bought another one in like May, June of the same year. Um, no and way. then another later on that year, like August or so, just like stacking up all my change, um, for my job. Now wait, so you bought, so you're living in this attic, right? And it's hot as hell, and you're saving money. Of course, you're only spending three. If for you to be only spending three hundred dollars in New York, cool, hats off to you. But for the decision, for the decision to live with your folks, was that something like you said? You know, you already ran the numbers beforehand. You said, "Hey, I'm living with my folks. I'm. Tr- I know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to save this money and, you know, put it toward real estate. Or was this something situational where you look for apartments and you just was like, you know what, this is kind of too expensive. You know, let me oh, no, I mean, I I interned in New York, so I already knew what you know rent prices were looking like. So once I got the full time offer, uh, I just knew all for it that I was gonna be staying with family, and that I didn't even want to look for. You know, I was going to, you know, make the sacrifice to stay in the attic and not even look for a place. Yeah. At first, they were letting me, I think the first three months, they let me stay for, like, free. And then my aunt, she, she was like, nah, bro. <laughs> you pay for something, something. Yeah, you got you to so come then, up off something. <laughs> yeah, so I threw them, you know, I threw them some money. So they only asked for 300 which is nothing compared to what right. people usually pay in New York. Low. Uh, and then also, I was being cheap as far as my commute because I could have taken a Long Island Railroad which is about a 30, 35 minute commute to the city. Yeah. Uh, but that's like, I want to say it's like $240 a month mm-hmm. as opposed to paying for my Metro card. And that was like, I think $110 a month. So I basically, you know, cut transa- uh, transportation costs in half just by, you know, but it also just tripled my commute time. But I had a lot of reading done, so I wasn't upset with that. That's good. That's good. So is this where, like, that extra long commute and you doing all this reading, is this where you figured out how to buy a house? Because I know for me, I kind of like dove into it without too much guidance. Now, my the only the only person I had on my side, and I'm thankful for it. Um, not the only person. I had a few people helping me. I had a small circle of people helping me. Um, but, you know, as far as really walking me through the process was my father. Right. And he's a homeowner. So he was able to help me out. Um, but I do know a lot of young folks and even for the, the folks that's listening, um, you know, that do want to buy cribs and things like that. They don't have that, you know, they don't have that person there helping them besides the agent. And we all, me and you both know the agent just wants a commission. So who, right. who kind of like told you about the process and different things, like different tricks of the trade and all that stuff, because it's very extensive, a lot of paperwork, and there's a lot of different strategies to kind of get into real estate. So was the long commute where you picked that up, or was it your, you know, your family up there, or you just winged it? I mean, so 
while I was in New York, the first property I bought was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And it was actually bought sight unseen. So I never even went and saw the property while before I bought it. I just mm-hmm. saw pictures and and kind of since I knew from that area, I knew what street it was on and like where it was at. But I, I never saw the house before buying it. And Ooh. thankfully, my father was my agent. So he just was like, yo, Rich, he emailed me. He was like, yo, Rich, there's this property on the market. Yeah. You should buy it. And I was just like, all right, cool. Next thing you know, I'm transferring <laughs> funds over. And, you know, I'm just like, how much you think you can rent it for? I think, like, I asked him three questions. I said, how much is it? How much you think I can rent it for? And what's the condition? And he sent me the pictures. Sent me, uh, like, some comps just so I can know, like, what comparables are worth in the area. Yeah. And then what he, what he thinks he can rent it for. And next thing you know, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm putting money in escrow. Boom. All right, buying it. Didn't even fly down or nothing. I don't think I even flew down for the closing. I just did a like a mail away closing where they FedEx you the paperwork, you sign it, you FedEx it back overnight. You um, a bad so man, I, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was, people say it was risky, or people say you know you had to father on your side kind of thing. But uh, he, I don't know, he's kind of old school Haitian mentality. So yeah. you know, we kind of disagreed like going forward after that on a lot of things. So I, I definitely got a lot of knowledge. Uh, other than my from my father, um, from a lot of books that I've read and a lot of podcasts uh, that I listen to, so I'll probably listen to a podcast a day, and then also read on my commute to work and on my commute back from work. There it is. Oh God. Yeah. I, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I had to go to my property like a few times before I was even comfortable uh, <laughs> putting up the bread for it. So hats off to you for even. Yeah, that, that's risky, bro, but it worked out. <laughs> uh, yeah, luckily it worked out, man. I still have the property to this day. It's uh, actually one of one of my better fl- cash flowing properties. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about the decision. That's what they say. They say the first one is always like you, you stick with it. The, there was there was a guy my father met, and he was really big and really he's really big in real estate out there in Atlanta. I forgot his name. You probably know him. Um, but he told him to tell me that, you know, the first crib you buy, uh, especially if you're going to be in a um, the landlord game or renter's game, um, you know, usually is the, the cash cow one for you. And it works out better than all the other deals. So I, I definitely yeah. understand that. So you're in New York. You, you know, living in the attic, saving all this cash flow. And you've bought one, two, three properties. Um, you know, what kind of transpired after that, after you got a few properties under your belt? Uh, I got a few properties in my but I was just like, all right, this is cool. Then I kind of got into uh, the lending thing where I was, you know, giving out small loans for a short period of time and charging like, uh, you know, private money type interest rates. So not your typical three, four, five percent, more like 10, 12 percent mm-hmm. interest on uh, money that I was lending out since I had the capital and wasn't, you know, saving up pretty much a good chunk of my checks uh, every month. And so I started getting into the lending business and then uh, ended up buying some more properties uh, just throughout the year. And then I ended up uh, leaving J.P. Morgan and quit, uh, quit. Um, after two and a half years of being with the firm. I felt like I had enough uh, properties under my belt to kind of just carry me kind of kind of forever. But, you know, my father didn't really agree with that. Like I said, the old age mentality felt like I was too young. He would tell me you're too young to be retired. Um, but I, definitely, <laughs> I, did it for, I did it for about a year. Before uh, I ended up working again, twenty six and retired. First of all, uh, first well, of all, 25, 24, 24, 20, 25 at the time. Twenty five. So first of all, 
how does that even how do, how does that even sound to you? <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds wild, but I mean, at, at first it sounds wild. It didn't sound wild until I started hearing more and more people doing it on like the different podcasts I was I was listening to uh, about people who were, you know they had their their number. Uh, and basically that number is like how much money a month would you need in order to quit your job and so I was like alright let me figure out my number and then I started working towards it and when I got to it I was like I was like dang I could say deuces and so I said deuces hey, there it is so so you you when you was at J.P. Morgan you was just using that money to pay the bills and do like extra stuff with the thought in your mind that you're going to quit at some point you knew that right or is this something that you just yeah. woke up one day and was like you know what I got all this bread. I don't need y'all because y'all stressing me out. Let me do my own thing. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, I actually learned that I didn't want to be behind a desk or in a cubicle during my internships just because, you know, when you're in school, you have these these breaks. Like, you get, you know, two weeks off and three weeks off uh, during the winter holidays. You get a week off at Thanksgiving. You get all the summer off. Yeah. And then I realized my first summer while working – I'm still in the office every single day, and I don't get I don't get the two month break anymore. And I was like, "Yo, this is miserable." <laughs> um, it is. And so I you know realized that during my internships, and I was just like, "I, I'm not I'm not for it." I worked for a couple of years, put all my money towards you know some passive income type stuff, and once I got to that level, I was like, "All right, cool, I'm mm. dipping." Hey, there, bro. Hats off to you. It's people still out here trying to make that 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 happen. But you got to create that second income or that third income or that fourth income to be able to make moves sure. like that. You know, because sure. our regular jobs are not going to support us. Uh, you know, the way we would like to if we have dreams of you know making big money and things like that. So you got to create those second avenues. And it looks like you was able to do that very well. Yeah, I'm a lucky man, man. I definitely had to put some sacrifices towards it. But definitely uh, say I'm blessed, you know, and definitely glad to have the people who I do have in my corner, um, you know, helping me out through the way. Definitely, definitely. Hey guys, I want to shed some light on one of our sponsors of the show, Horror Creative. That's H A R A Creative. Horror Creative is a creative shop that specializes in photography, videography, and creative direction. Challenging the status quo through their expertise, they have used their skills to provide restaurants, clothing brands, solo entrepreneurs, and many more with distinguished visuals. You may also know them because of their transformative self-help projects, such as their video series, The Black Love Project, and their most recent publication, Horror Magazine, Poems and Light. Follow them on Instagram at Horror Creative, or check out their website, horrorcreative.com to stay in the loop with all the dope content they have coming our way. Please check them out when you get a chance and always remember Horror Creative for the culture. So at this point you quit your job. What happens next? Do you you say, do you automatically know what you're going to do now that you're officially retired at 25 or you know, did you lay low for a little bit? What'd you do? that I made when I was, her name's Natasha, shout out to Natasha mm-hmm. and the whole Singh family. Uh, so she's Indian descent, but she, her family lives in Australia. Uh, so after I quit, she was like, yo, why don't you come visit me? I met her in New York, but she moved, ended up moving back to Australia. She's like, why don't you come visit me in Australia? And I was like, you know, that don't sound like a bad idea. What? So I looked up flights. Yeah. You know, I was like, you know, maybe like one of my real good homies. So she was like, come visit. 
um, out in Australia, and I was, you know, looked up flights, and I was like, dang, flight's expensive. And I was like, why not just, like, kind of bounce around? Yeah. Till, you know, and, until I make it to Australia. So I ended up going on a whole backpacking trip for about eight months. Um, eight months? Yeah, it was, I mean, four months of that was, four months of the backpacking was out of the country. So, like, did most of Europe, did uh, Morocco, did, um, China for two days and then ended up in Australia and I did Australia for three weeks where I stayed, uh, did a week in, or two weeks actually in Canberra, which is the capital, a week in Sydney and then a weekend in Melbourne. Um, and I, you know, stayed with her, her, her family pretty much the whole time. And they also own an Indian restaurant out there. So I was eating, I was eating mighty well. Wow. So you're, 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 you took an eight month backpack trip, fully supported by your rental income correct yeah correct and you was able to move around for eight months around the world essentially very comfortably yeah i mean it wasn't like super lavish because i mean i still had to i was buying plane tickets so i wasn't taking like you know hitchhiking and stuff or uh you know riding with random people and whatnot i just still was buying flights but flights in europe are fairly cheap like one yeah. way cost me want to say around 50 bucks for one way from one country to the next um, I think my biggest flight was basically to England, where I started out at, and then from Italy to Australia, and then Australia back to the States. Those were my, like, main biggest flights, where they were, like, in the hundreds of dollars, like, you know, around 300 dollars Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. So, so with you traveling, like, taking this eight months, <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure you're thinking, you know, while you're traveling and, you know, your friends are all kind of working, you're like, man, I'm... I'm young and I'm out here, you know, retired and traveling. Like, what, what, are, what are some of the things that's going on through your mind during this eight months where you realize, like, the work that you put in as a, you know, while you were younger was able to help support what you're doing at that moment? Um, so, I mean, for me, I'm kind of, I never, I think people give me shit because I never really actually, like, bask in any of the accomplishments or things that I have going for myself. I'm kind of always thinking for like what's next. Yeah. My mom tells me I get, you know, I get bored easily, so I'm always trying to figure out my next move rather than kind of just relaxing and seeing what's next. Now, I will tell you, I was living, you know, my best life when I was out uh, backpacking and, and traveling and whatnot. Like that was probably one of one of the best times of my life. But I think just the whole time I was just trying to figure out like what's next. And then you know, after still listening to more podcasts. I was like, I need to grow this a little more because at some point, you know, I'm going to start a family. I can fund myself, but I can't really fund a family or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, I'm going to have to do something. Um, and actually, while I was in, or was that at the time, I was in Barcelona, and my realtor in Tallahassee sent me an email and said, hey, I have this deal. It was actually a multifamily deal for a 10-unit apartment building. And I was like, I do want to get in multifamily, so I ended up buying... Uh, put in the paperwork to buy this property while I was out of the country. Um, and then like, when I flew back, I ended up signing and going to the closing to buy my first apartment building. Uh, and so I was like, you know, kind of just, kind of jump-started me to the next thing of just expanding my portfolio. Yeah. So at this point, you're, <clears throat> at, so at this point, you're saying, all right, well, 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 actually, were a lot of your previous deals single-family homes? Yeah. Yeah, single family and then a, a duplex as well. So uh, with my father that I did. Mm -hmm. And and for everybody, yes, when you get into real estate, you can pretty much do this 
you can do this thing from anywhere. You can do it from your computer. You can do it right there on site, or as in Richard's case, you can do it across the world. So, uh, again, I support real estate. Get into it. Ask Richard questions. Ask me questions. We got the booze. <laughs> Like I said, I don't fumble with the stocks only because I think well, man, I think it was Robert Kiyosaki who said something like uh, stocks are like uh, driving driving in a car and you're you're sitting in the back seat like you have no control Zero. over where the stocks are going or anything like that. Yeah, you can do research on where you think it's about to go, but really you don't have any control over the company's performance and things like that. Whereas real estate, you know, if you buy a property. You can fix it up, put new flooring. If you want to raise your rent, then all you got to do is make it look a little nicer, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you got a 10-unit apartment building in Tallahassee, and we both spent a considerable amount of time in Tallahassee as we both got our degrees from there. Shut up, FAMU. Like, what was the, the vision for this? Is this where you was like, all right, well, I'm going to get into multi-units now, and or is this like, ah, this was a, just a good deal for the moment, I'm gonna get out of real estate after this. Like, what? What was? Where was your mind at after you bought this ten-unit apartment building? Uh, well, first, I'll, I'll never sell. I'll probably never sell any of my properties. Just gonna. I inherited the Warren Buffett mindset of never sell. So definitely won't be selling anything. But um, well, after I bought it, you know, I just had so much inspiration. Um, the first time I bought a property and not even be working, and then two. That you know, I'm just in multifamily now. I can just go up from here. And I just had aspirations of doing like, like huge apartment complexes where it's like a hundred and something units um, and things of that sort. But then I kind of fell off that goal. You know, back home, let me backtrack a little bit, slow down a bit. And so now my new goal is really just to pay off the mortgages on most of the properties that I do have, so I can own them free and clear. Mm-hmm. But then I'll jump back in and start uh, buying again. Mm. And you you fixed this up, and did you you already have tenants for it? Yeah. So when I when I bought this one, it was already fully occupied. So all ten units had uh, you know ten leases of individuals who were paying rent. And so didn't have to do too much work. I do a little bit of you know maintenance stuff and repairs here and there because it is an older building. Yeah. But uh, it was definitely already uh, making money from the channel. That, that, that. So we can almost essentially say you're you're still you're not going to get out of real estate and it hasn't stopped. And this is something that's going to continuously keep moving forward. So we can't even say there's an end game for it because it's it's, it's continuously moving. Right. Yeah. My my, my, my children are going to inherit most of my, my properties. You know, so yeah. definitely won't get some of anything. And that's what we need to do, man. Like we and <clears throat> same way. Like I love the fact that your pops you know, gave you money to get into stock. But, you know, outside of him just giving you money, he had the thought like, you know, hey, I'm trying to set you up for the future. Regardless of whether that was the, the you know, the venture went into, still was thinking like for your future. And that's something that, you know, yeah. we kind of have to do, you know, ourselves because we're going to have kids. We want to, you know, we want to be able to give something back to them. Not a lot of us have been afforded, you know, uh, great opportunities whether it's property or just a large lump sums of money but you know for everything we do now if we do plan on having kids we got to be able to you know come up with the idea of how can you know how can what I'm doing today affect my kids and what can I pass over to them to make you know their upbringing or their lives better so they can pass it on and people have been doing this for ages but I think for us as 
yeah, for us as millennials and, you know, minorities, like this is something that we really need to take in consideration now. You know, so it's good that you're thinking about it actively and you're making moves toward that, even though you're, you know, you're still a young man where you got a lot. You get, we got a long way to go, man. You already, you know, you already got your kids set up. I don't say set up yet, but definitely think about them. Uh, just got to got to find Beto's, you know what I'm saying? I feel that. So, so look, so now you have your real estate games popping. You, you're pretty much, you know, you're, you're comfortable with how you maneuver things. You got a team and all that. Let it fill us in on, what is it? Lexer capital. What is that? Yes. Lexer capital is actually a real estate crowdfund that I started. Um, you know, just through networking with other individuals, I met with some guys who uh, went to like Cornell University and have been flipping properties since about, I want to say 2003, um, and just been doing like killing it with flipping properties in the Atlanta market. Yeah. And so they needed, you know, more capital. I want more capital to do more flips. I want to say they were doing maybe six, seven flips a year. That's good. Um, and they wanted to ramp that up to like 15, 20 flips a year. And, you know, just the, the money wasn't moving quick enough. So they were like, hey, we need some capital kind of thing. And I was like, all right, through my years, I made a lot of friends who got some capital. And so I basically started Lexa Capital Fund, and uh, where I'm basically taking in capital to fund these flips, uh, offering, you know, a pretty decent return, which is 11% yeah. return. And it's actually, you know, interest are paid quarterly rather than having to wait a full year to get your interest. Yeah. Um, and so... Got Lexa Capital, and you know that's doing fairly well. Uh, so pretty excited about that. Now, is that something that you did? You have any knowledge of being a lender, or is that something that you just kind of had to figure out along the way? Uh, well, I mean, from when I was back at JP, I was you know lending out my own private money to people who needed it for you know either like a real estate deal closing or maybe yeah. like short term six months. Um, they might have needed a couple. You know, a couple of dollars or something, so I loaned it out to him. Uh, and I think I would say I've done it maybe personally before I started Lexus Cap. I did it maybe four or five times, and only had one deal uh, kind of go bad uh, with a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, you know, it was pretty good, did great returns. Mm-hmm. So doing Lexus Capital is a little different because you have the collateral of the deals and actual homes, uh, whereas opposed to where I was doing it. It was no real collateral, just on, you know, good faith of, you know, I like what you're doing. You need some money real quick to upstart this little business you have or something like that. And I let my friends hold some cash and they pay me back monthly. How long How long ago did you start this? Lexer Capital, I started last year in October. Okay. Uh, yeah, around October, November time frame. Okay. And as of right now, actually, I remember you hit me up about it. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Hey. 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 We're gonna keep this business. Go- Look, we're gonna make it happen, brother. I got you. <laughs> I got you. So for Lecture Capital, you started in October. Is it just you, or did you go partnering with the Cornell guys? Uh. So I mean, the actual fund itself is my like Lecture Capital is my my company. Okay. But just the the investments that we. Or I partake in ours, you know, mainly their flips. So it is funding their flips. Mm-hmm. Now, how many, how much, like, what's the volume look like now? You you just started your business not even a year ago. 
and your lender <clears throat> essentially now just on a larger scale um what is what does business look like today uh business is doing you know pretty well i would say i got a couple of friends who invested in the company a couple thousand dollars here and there the minimum investment into the fund though is a thousand dollars um but i haven't actually okay so i actually just did get a uh my smallest investment was uh about eleven hundred dollars and then my largest investment from an individual is about seventy five thousand dollars so jesus uh luckily it's uh you know like i said it's just on nothing up man Making it happen, bro. I, I see you. I see you. I see you. So with everything you got going on, man, it looks like everything's pretty steady. And currently right now, these are the only two, you know, business ventures that you kind of delve in currently right now, right? Uh, Well, I also have this, uh, just like a small, like, I like little, little flips here and there. So I actually had an idea for, I know you're Greek, uh, for these Greek uh, hats. That I have made in denim, so basically it just took the the hand signs of the divine nine and basically turned them into, I guess, somewhat emojis. Yeah. Put them on denim caps. Yeah. So kind of just been having been selling those and those are moving like hotcakes, especially the the sorority uh, hats have been moving like I'm already I've sold out of like the AK and love the hats probably within the first first two three my first three weeks or month of having them. I want to say I had a hundred of each. Uh, each uh, organization. Wow. Are you are you personally are you working with a manufacturer or are you using one of these sites to do fulfillment where you don't have to, you know, carry stock on like in your extra at your actual house? Well you know, and I keep my expenses low just so I can make the most money. So actually I found a manufacturer out in China, um, just by using resources. Uh, through Alibaba.com if anybody ever wants to, you know, order something from like, you know, Big manufacturers, uh, found a retailer, manufacturer in China. They made the hats, I want to say, for about, I was like, you know, real cheap, like five bucks a hat. Yeah, kinda, cheap. You know, and then I paid shipping for it to get here. And then I created a website and put them on Etsy and I sell them for like 25 bucks a hat. So it was like a, you know, easy, quick flip just to, you know, hmm. fund my drinking money for the weekend. Hey, there it is, bro. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There it is, right there. So if anybody looking to getting into clothing or anything like that, they, hey, that's that sounded real quick. You know, some of the fun you're drinking money or whatever, you know, little sandwich money or whatever. You can these ways. There's ways to create streams of income, and it's not. I'm not gonna say it's difficult. It is difficult depending on what you know what you're trying to delve in, but it's not impossible. You know, your job does not have to be the end all be all, and if you don't plan on leaving your job and you like your job, um, but you want a little bit more money, you know, these are, you know, these are prime examples of how you can get into other things. And it's definitely obtainable given the technology, uh, you know, that we have out here today, uh, websites, apps, and, you know, just understanding and knowing people like Richard or myself or anybody else that delves with multiple uh, streams of income is, is possible. Yeah, facts, facts. So for you right now, you're you're living pretty good, right? You're you're good. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm good. People always want more. You know, I gotta I gotta figure out my you know my number to one. I'm just happy, and it's like I don't need more unless it comes from falls into my lap kind of thing. So that's 
that's what I'll probably be working on probably next year. That's what, you know, when I'm cool with it all. I hear you, bro. That's that's definitely commendable, especially for everything you've been able to do. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. You too, man. You too. All right, so Richard, you got everything cracking. Everything's moving very fairly well for you, and of course you want more. And you started pretty early uh, with this vision to want to, you know, make your life better and, you know, delve into different things. Um, who was your biggest influence or what was your biggest influence in starting this vision to be a serial entrepreneur? Uh, well, first thing I got to give hats off to my mother and father, of course. Um, just for them being my biggest influence. My father, he came to the States by himself, actually, when he was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think my grandfather gave him, I want to say, like 200 bucks just for, you know, like emergency funds. If he couldn't make it here, he could buy a plane ticket back to go to Haiti. Yeah. Um, so my dad, he was like, nah, I ain't going back no matter what. So I think he, <laughs> he was like $200. He ended up making friends on either the plane or the bus or something like that. And they were just like really impressed with him that he could speak French. Yeah. Uh, was another Haitian family that actually lived in Miami. Um, Cause when he landed in Miami, he was supposed to buy a bus ticket to go live with a friend of a family in New York. Yeah. But he ended up staying with this random person he met uh, in Miami and getting a, you know, they let him stay with him as long as they like, as long as he cleaned the house and got a job and went to high school. And he was supposed to tutor that kids. Uh, since he was kind of smart and spoke French and whatnot. So he ended up staying with the family in Miami for, you know, years to come until he got on his feet and ended up moving out and stuff. Wow. And he had his first job at Wendy's and whatnot. So stuff like that definitely, you know, inspired me. And then he also thought I wasn't going to, you know, amount to much at first in, in high school because I would always spend my money on sneakers and stuff. Um, That's but, so it was kind of just inspiring. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, let, let a kid be a kid, you know what I'm saying? Like, that. Hey, you know, I'm scared. You feel me? I'm going to be fly when I step yeah. on campus, you know? Occasional Jordans uh, here, a fit there, you know, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, let me live. So, you know, just stuff like that was a little, you know, motivation. And my mother, like, she's always in my corner. Like, no matter what type of crazy idea I come with, I'm like, Ma, I think I want to do this, that, and the other. She's like, okay, you got it. What you need me to do? I'm just like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, man. like, she just, you know, I don't think she's ever been like, nah, that's wild or that's too much or anything like that, no matter what it was. Um, and e even just like, other than just goals, like at the time when we went to Thailand together, um, I went to skydive and she was like, all right, go for it, baby. I'm, I'm gonna be right here on the ground waiting for you. Yeah. Go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> um, so in Thailand, you know, I was like, all right, cool. My mom got on my back. So, Got to Thailand, I, I jumped yeah. off the plane. And I was, you know, it was lit. She was like, "Okay, how do you move on to the next thing?" And so, yeah, definitely the two of them. Um, I definitely yeah, like my my biggest influences. That's love, man. It's strong, like oh, that's that's love, bro. Like a solid foundation does, you know, wonders. And people grow up different ways, and they find different motivation and inspiration through, you know different avenues, whether it's your parents or whoever is in your life, but it's pretty cool that you were able to, you know, find that inspiration with your parents who seemed to work hard and, you know, had you in mind from the start, but, you know, they've been supportive with you since day one, and that speaks volumes, and, you know, I can see, like, your father's hustle, <clears throat> your father's hustle, 
I can see that, you know, in you right now as far as like how you're maneuvering and shaking. Like you got to have the go get it attitude regardless of whatever comes your way, you know. And so that's yeah. that's, that's great, bro. That's that's definitely great. They, they, they were like my, my, my formal influences. I would say like the informal influences were like all the books and podcasts that I had listened to and read over the years. Hey. Uh, and, you know, shout out to my, my brother, Big Moo. He actually put me on the... Uh, I mean, I was always reading books. He he put me on big time when he challenged me to try to read a book a week. Shout uh, out to Woo, man. Hey, yeah, what's up, you know, man? So <laughs> I think I was what back in 2016. He challenged me to read a book a week, and uh, neither one of us made it to like 52 books. But you know, definitely, I think I got hit like 39 books for that year or something like that. Wow. And I can't remember how many books he hit, but we definitely read a lot more books that year than we had probably read in you know five years, six years or something like that. So Yeah, man. Shout out to Woo, man. Shout out to Woo. Woo is that guy, by the way. If, if, if everybody don't know <laughs> if, if everybody doesn't know who Woo is and it, you know, if, if for anybody that doesn't go to Fam you or anybody else, look, go check out Woo's page. I don't know what it is, but go on Richard's page. I'm pretty sure you can find <laughs> Woo on that page because they hung out a lot together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and Yes, yes, yes. Your circle is everything, and it's, it's it's really the community, your community, your surroundings, and the people who you you place in within that community. You know they're gonna help drive you, and anything that they're doing or uh you know within their lives, you're gonna kind of imitate or kind of be you know be like. And if they're doing positive things and uplifting themselves as well as you know everybody else in the group, you're gonna want to do the same thing. And you know you also create that challenge too, like we we'll challenge you to read a book a week you know, you're going to be like, all right, I can, I can double that or I can do more than that. But it's just that friendly competition is going to keep you up and up on the up and up and enable you to yeah. essentially be better. So that's, yeah. I, yes, community is everything, bro. So everything looks up and up as far as all your businesses are concerned. You know, if you just look back, you know, from the start, the very start, you know, what was the lowest point you think that you reached within your journey and kind of like how did you maneuver through that? Lowest point in the journey? Uh, I think, you know, just I'm pretty positive. So it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say, but I would say like just doing that whole commute and living in the attic for two and a half years was, was pretty, <laughs> you know, it was, was pretty, it was, it was pretty tough. I mean, definitely, you know, the sacrifices were worth it, but, you know, just a lot of times I was, you know, like, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't want to be here no more. I'm about to get my own place kind of thing. And I just like look for places on the weekend. And then by the time Monday hit, I'd be like, you know what, I don't need to be doing that. I'm tightened up. <laughs> or, um, you know, just having hiccups. I remember one time actually last year, uh, I was in the works of buying the property that I live in now and things weren't looking too well just because of the fact that I, you know, I still wasn't working. And so banks weren't really, you know, on my side as far as like, oh, you don't have a W-2 income. Yeah, you have income, but you don't have W-2 income. Yeah. And I had already put down, you know, earnest money. Uh, I think I put down like $3,500 of earnest money for the property. Mm -hmm. So if I wouldn't be, if I wouldn't be able to buy the property, then I most likely would have lost out on that earnest money. And so I think that, that time frame, you know, I really just tried to try and stay positive, not let, you know, negativity cloud my judgment or just think of my options of what I could do to still close this deal. And, you know, ended up working things out, thinking 
making of waves and I still ended up closing on this property. So just different things that, you know, just by staying positive, they were low moments for a time being, but they weren't always low. Yeah, we, we, we're going to naturally go through those thunderstorms. And as long as we understand, like, hey, you know, sunshine after the after the thunderstorm, you know, we'll make it out. It seems like you was able to kind of, like, maneuver through your stuff and have a positive outlook, which is good. And you was able to make, you know, make, what is it, make, uh, what's, what's it say? Make, uh, make lemonade out of lemons or something like that? Whatever it is. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So outside of your your lowest point you know at what point did you get your first big break like where you was on the journey and you know you're you're sitting in the attic or you know you're saving money you're going through those tough times and then just naturally boom some something happened somebody came in your life or you know something miraculous kind of happened to where you kind of like pivoted and you know you was just on your way I took away from that was the um you said you don't hesitate where'd you where'd you, like that is a that is that's a mindset thing right and you know we naturally hesitate when the risks are big or you know when it comes to the unknown um and just looking at you know your story it doesn't seem like you did too much hesitating you know when you was matriculating through whatever you was doing so like how'd you acquire like it's almost like a skill. Like, how'd you like? How'd you get to that mind frame where it's like, I, I, I see that, I'm going for it. I mean, so it was really like a. When I say don't hesitate. It's more of a, nah, I'm not gonna do it, and then I have a reason to why I'm not gonna do it. It's more of a, I was, ooh, this is an opportunity. Let me find the best way to tackle it, and yeah. then I go for it. You know what I'm saying? So it's not really like a, oh, there's this house over here, it's vacant, it's for sale. And I just buy it off rip. It's more like, oh, this house is vacant. Instead of me saying, oh, I shouldn't buy it because of this, that, and the third, I just say, why, why should I buy it? Or, you know, what things, you know, kind of pursue me to buy it and kind of just do quick to do my research. And then, and then just kind of going through with it. So, you know, I was just hesitating to not do my research to make an informed decision, I would say. So it almost seems like whatever opportunities come your way, regardless of how risky there is, you have a thought process behind it. Instead of, Saying, oh, that seems, you know, that's 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 ah, that's that's too big of a risk, or you know, kind of hesitating, like I was saying earlier. You evaluate each opportunity and you figure out, well, you know, whether you're going to go for it or not. But there's an actual thought process behind, you know, opportunities that come your way. Yeah, I mean, I think there's it's kind of like a you know spectrum to where there's people who don't evaluate at all. Mm-hmm. Or there's people who, you know, have analysis paralysis, basically they get paralyzed because they're doing so much uh, research, so much research, so much research that they never actually make a decision. Um, and then, you know, like the other end where people just, boom, they make a decision. 
decision without even like finding out the actual all the facts or finding out any information at all. So it's really kind of finding like a, that that nice little nook where you can squeeze right in between where you do enough research, but you're not supposed to have all the answers. You know, some of the answers you're gonna find on the way, uh, but also don't want to jump into it without any of the answers at all. Good analysis paralysis. I'm 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 gonna make that a topic. <laughs> on one of these, <laughs> I'm gonna make that. A, I, I call it the I call it the Twilight Zone. Uh, <laughs> Twilight Zone, yeah, that's good too. <laughs> yeah, because like I I remember when because I started my um my architectural business uh like three years ago and I remember just going through uh you know trying to get it started just actually starting it. I, I made the decision I went for it and so I you know I'm doing this research and blah 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 and you know one month turned into two months and then two months turned into three months and then I realized I was like okay I'm doing the necessary research and all this kind of stuff but I'm overdoing it and I'm still like I'm doing all this run around and I'm still in the same spot like I just need to jump and go for it and yeah. you know that you, our minds like trick us like okay you need you you need to you need to know this or you need to know that or you need to talk to this. Like after a while, it, it kind of gets repetitive, and you you want to prepare yourself for the let you know for the things you need to do, uh, you know, in regards to running these businesses. But the best teacher is to just jump and learn on your you know learn as you go, and you'll find right. yourself like in that again para- analysis paralysis state of mind or the twilight zone, and before you know it. You know, you might have set out to launch or do whatever in three months, and then next thing you know, you wake up and six months and gone by. You have a, you're still in the same spot. Right. So yeah, that I'm gonna make that a topic. <laughs> I'm gonna make that a topic. So let's let me know if you need me to join in on the conversation. For oh, that one. hey, brother, brother, come on, man. This is a this is a community affair, man. If you want to, you know what? There it is, right there. I'm gonna have you hop on with me, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about analysis paralysis. <laughs> Got you, guys. Guys, say less. <laughs> so, with every with the, with your three business ventures right now, where do you see them or yourself within? You know, by the time you're forty or fifty years old. Um, well, I kind of want you know everything to be on autopilot uh, as far as the businesses. Um, just you know, I want you know instead of my time being money. I kind of want my money to just make more money. Mm-hmm. So definitely want all that that I have going on to just be on autopilot. Uh, hoping that the crown's kind of been lagging a little bit on it, but, you know, sales are doing pretty well, but I would love to just have it to where, you know, someone else is managing or either I can get it into a Target store. So I've kind of been looking into that, to how I can get the crowns into retail spaces. Uh, and then as far as the hats, I feel like that's just kind of just a, just a little side fun thing, a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'll keep doing that forever. But as of right now, it's still, you know, making me some bank. So to continue with that. And then the real estate, uh, I hope to hopefully have like just, you know, a decent team. Like I have a pretty decent team now yeah. of like property managers and whatnot. So I'm not getting phone calls about broken toilets or phone calls about this, that, and third or trying to find tenants because, you know, the property manager handles all that for a 10% fee. Yeah. So, uh- Look, I need to take your advice because uh, I, I manage my. I, I I stepped out and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna manage my own property right now, and uh, you know, I've I've gotten some pretty interesting calls. Nothing too crazy. I, I've been fortunate. My two tenants are good. Um, 
but you know, there's there's been some pretty crazy calls where I'm like, you know, uh, I might want to I might want to just pay that ten percent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good though. If I don't say it's not, it's, it's bad to not manage your own properties, but it's definitely good. The good side of managing your own properties first is that you know you now know what to look for yes. when you go out and find a property manager. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Because you've been in their shoes, you know what they're going through, this, that, and the third. So I won't say you know not or managing your property yourself is bad. It's just you know after you get up, you know, in numbers of a whole bunch of properties, you definitely do want to look out to branch and you know get the property manager. Definitely, definitely. I'm gonna take that advice and, and probably. Probably on the next deal or so. I I, I don't know when, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, iffy on it right now. But we'll see what happens. But I'm definitely uh taking your words of advice to heart, and we'll see what happens. So, if you definitely ask for references. Oh, you already know, brother. You gotta you gotta you gotta measure twice and cut once. Right. So, if you could describe your journey in one word, what would that be? I know you, you got a lot of them. You could probably yeah. name one of these. You could probably name whatever word you're thinking of in probably like 12 different languages, too. <laughs> uh, I would say so far it's, it's been pretty fulfilling. I would say fulfilling. Why fulfilling? Just because I don't necessarily have any regrets. Like everything that I really wanted to do at this point in time, I've either at least attempted to do it and failed or, you know, I'm doing it now. So, I would, yeah, I would go with fulfilling. Mm. Even though, you know, I don't have kids yet or family, but that's not something that I want right now. Yeah. So, you know, I can, I can, I can definitely stick with fulfilling. And this is why you love your experience, right? Yeah, this is definitely why I love my experience. Okay. That's, that's exactly what we're looking for. Anytime, like, we go through these struggles or, you know, just however we matriculate through our journey, um, the biggest learning lesson is, you know, however we feel or wherever we're at, you know, we want to love that situation for what it is because at the end of the day, you know, these are these are experiences and learning lessons that's going to help us better in the future and make us appreciate that success that much more when we do get there. So, you know, this is, like I said, this is essentially why we you know do what we do we, we got to love our situation for what it is and once we get to the point of where we're successful if you're not already successful now you're going to look back and you're like you know what i'm glad i am who i am today because you know those experience i those experiences i was able to go through earlier that's why i love my situation so i'm gonna better better myself my brother there it is there it is so I'm gonna go ahead and ask this question because I've been waiting on this one and this is this is a, this is a question I usually ask to everybody uh, you know <laughs> so currently right now where 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 are you in where are you living when you're at the age of 40 or 50 years old with your family and all your rental properties and all this stuff where where are you living where am I living uh, that's a tough question like ideally I think 40 or 50, I, I wouldn't, I kind of entertain in the back of my head that I would live out the country, like have like a nice house on, you know, the, the coast of South Africa or something, or, or, you know, if my wife ain't really down with that, then I guess we could do like a half living in New York, half living in LA type thing. Jeez. Um, you, you, you're, but, making, you're making this hard. 
reason, the only reason you're making this hard is because I usually ask people, I say, hey, where, you know, where are you, where are you settling down at? What city or whatever? And usually I'm, 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 I'm traveling around the country. I kind of know like interstates. So especially on the East Coast, like if you're in New York, then I, 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 the next question I ask is reference to interstates. So like for you, if you're in South Africa, I don't know the name of the interstate, but I'm a friend of question <laughs> And say whatever interstate I whatever you know you roll it downtown and you kind of see and you know you you blast or whatever you blast I don't know what you're listening to but you're probably listening to something and <laughs> you, you roll into the city you see this skyline coming up and then there's this billboard right and this is your billboard something that everybody's gonna see consistently um you know what is on this billboard and or what does it say. <laughs> Most people freeze uh, up on this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it would depend on my mood. Like, you know, if I wanted to be inspirational or something, I'd probably say something like, uh, "We have a hundred reasons to give up, but a thousand reasons to push forward." Okay. Or okay. if I'm just feeling like a little intrigued, I, you know, I'll probably say something like, "Only boring people get bored." Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of stuff. You like, you never think like, okay, I, I, I never thought about having my own billboard. But if I had one, you know, it's like if somebody came up and he's like, hey, what do you? I got this opportunity for you to be on a billboard. You, you, immediately you'd be like, I, uh, I don't know. It's a whole bunch of stuff you could put yeah, on a billboard. Like so much stuff you could probably get a billboard and just put ta da. you and even if they don't know as you the message will be you know sent clearly and whatever it is you know i'm gonna challenge you to it i challenge everybody to you know that, that comes on the show I, I say hey whatever you know and they'll say what they say on the billboard and i challenge them i say hey look uh whether it's 10 5 10 15 20 years down the road i challenge you to have this billboard and if i'm ever in your, in your hood and i'm rolling through you know downtown I, and i'm gonna expect to see that billboard. So I'm gonna hold you to it, brother. That's your challenge. I, uh, you know, as, as actually as we talking about this, I'm looking at the out my window, and I see this billboard for a Carnival Cruise Line. Not that I'm giving them any type of advertising, but you know, <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm like, maybe one day I, I'll put something on that. See, that there, hey, there it is, right there. That's the challenge, right there. We gotta we gotta challenge our network, man. They, look, I guarantee you, gonna be like, you know what, forty fifty, I am gonna have a billboard. Well, maybe it's next year. Who knows? Now that you've been on Love Yours, like your story is, you know, amazing in itself, and it shows that you took a lot of leap, and you took that leap of faith multiple times, um, and you didn't really hesitate on, you know, you didn't really dwell on it. You, you kind of went for it. You knew what you wanted. You went for it, and you struggled a little bit uh, up in that attic. And I commend you for that because, you know, addicts. I've been up and down a hundred addicts, and they don't look too hot. Uh, not hot, but I mean they don't look too fun to I was be about in. Say, yeah, they, they hot. <laughs> they they hot. hot. They definitely hot. <laughs> they hot. But you 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 kind of you, you kind of embody the, what we want on this show. And now that you've been on it and been able to explain your story, 
um, you know, I'm pretty sure you have a vast network of people that you kind of work with or you kind of aspire to be like or, you know, whatever, you know, some movers and shakers. So, you know, who is somebody or an entrepreneur or a brand that you would like to see on the show next so they can share their story of how they got to where they're at? Yeah, uh, actually, the first person that comes to mind is my guy, Brandon Miller. He's out in Texas. He's, uh, I guess, what we call another serial entrepreneur. Uh, but I would just say, like, if, you know, if anybody ever thought my network was on point, like, this guy, this guy knows pretty much everybody. He's, he's moving. Like, bruh is moving. Yeah. So, if you were to have anybody else, like, having him on board, and then he'll probably connect you to 200, 300 other serial entrepreneurs that look just like us, just from the same age, millennials, you know what I'm saying? So, I definitely like to say, yeah, my guy Brandon Miller. Definitely, 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 and I and I and every every show people act, I ask the same question, of course, because this this helps expand our network and and it helps you know diversify the type of entrepreneurs we run into. Um, and I do a, I do make a conscious effort to reach out and and get them on the show, and most people usually say yes. So hopefully we could reach out to Brandon and 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 make sure he he gets on here and share his story cuz if it's anything like yours I'm pretty sure there's somebody out here that's going to be motivated in some type of way to go out there and get it. Oh yeah, I, I don't I don't doubt that he you definitely be down. Um yeah, we we'll definitely reach out to him and get him on board. Uh, for the show for the next episode or something. Definitely, definitely. Well, look, Rich, <clears throat> I greatly appreciate you being on the show, man. You've done a lot uh, and explained a lot and kind Appreciate of been, you having me. Yeah, like you've given us insight into what you've been able to do, and uh, you know, it's nothing short of you know greatness. I'm pretty sure to come next. And so, you know, like I said, I greatly appreciate you, bro. And hopefully, you know, you got a hundred houses, two hundred houses in the next five years, and you got that billboard. You don't think I'm not gonna hold you to it? Cause I am. For <laughs> uh, real facts, I good, had good. a billboard, man. Yes, sir. Well, I greatly appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll be talking to you later, brother. All right, man. Sounds good. Hey, guys. That's a wrap for our show. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a comment and show love by subscribing on iTunes or to our website, www.loveyourspod.com. While you're there, support the brand that supports you and cop some of our dope apparel and merchandise available for purchase. You can also check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Love Yours Pod, that's for both accounts, and my own personal account at strongarm underscore shad. That's shad spelled S-H-A-A-D. In addition, if you know any entrepreneurs or brand makers who inspire you and would like to see on the show, visit our main page of the website, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and fill out the information in the fields provided. I also would like to say thank you to our sponsors and everybody that came together to make this episode happen. Without you, this train don't roll. Until our next episode, keep dreaming, keep creating, and always remember, love yours.